kingsnake.com web radio, now brought to you by Pro Exotics Reptiles. This is Robin from Pro Exotics and tempgun.com, and we are excited to be sponsoring kingsnake.com web radio. We had our best ever breeding year in 2008, and we are expecting an even better 2009. We are working with a wide variety of ball python morphs, as well as albino boas, porphyraceous rat snakes, monitor lizards, including the ever-popular Aki monitor, and Gila monsters. We also sell essential dry goods, including our infrared temp guns, the most important husbandry tool. Thanks for listening to Kingsnake.com Web Radio, and thanks for thinking of Pro Exotics Reptiles. Hello, and welcome to Kingsnake.com Web Radio, the Internet's longest-running web-based reptile radio program. I'm your host, Chad Brown, and today's very special guest is Kerry King, lead guitarist and lyricist for the heavy metal band Slayer. What's up, Kerry? How you doing? Cool, man. What's going on? Oh, just... Uh, Happy to catch up with you and uh, hear about your, uh, you know, your band exploits and your and, and your reptile passion. Holidays just finished. I'm assuming you probably just got off the road or something like that, right? November 30th, I came home from Moscow. Only for the second time. That was pretty cool. Now, when you travel the world, do you have a particular international destination that's uh, that's your favorite to go to? Well, being a carpet guy, that would be Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, any kind of reptile guy, I think, would love Australia. Yeah, I mean, if I moved anywhere in the world. It would be Australia. It's pretty cool there. Mm-hmm. People are friendly, you know. You go places in the world, and, you know, some places are snootier than others. Some people are more expensive than others, of course. But Australia is cool all over the place. I mean, and I haven't had a chance to uh, travel out to Australia, you know, but uh, my, my thing has always been a dilemma. If, if I happen to grab some kind of rare, awesome herp, how am I going to resist the temptation to bring it back? <laughs> well, you know, let me get this out of the way right now. I don't understand... What the hell's wrong with Australia not letting people that produce their own pythons in captivity from selling them worldwide? I think that's ridiculous. They're not doing anything to the environment. And, you know, they're keeping all these cool morphs away from us. So it makes us smugglers when we actually get them, you know what I mean? I totally understand. You know, I, I understand the, I'm not sure what the virgin is over there in Australia, you know, the fish and wildlife, I guess, kind of type of agency. Is that if we have a complete prohibition, then it just makes it easier to keep track of. But, you know, I think they're missing out on revenue. They could probably tax these animals or make these people buy permits to sell these animals, which they could use for income for their services. But that's a that's a whole other show with a whole other uh, bigger brain yeah. than mine. That's, that's, for the, that's for the Aussies to fight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. So just got back from Moscow. When are you headed back out on the road again? Um, July, I believe. Yeah, like in the reptile world, you got... Uh, you know, the big show, the West Coast show, the Florida show, and all the, all the shows in between. I've got the big music show coming up. Um, not this weekend, but next weekend. So that's where I go out and sign for everybody that endorses me and, you know, gives me my products and stuff. The one time a year, I don't charge them. You know, it's just like my thank you to them. It's like the Thursday through the Sunday, Anaheim Convention Center, everybody under the sun is there. So I, I do like eight signings in three days. So that's weekend after this then we're supposed to record a new record sometime in february and uh we go out again in july it looks like nice okay so when you're not out on the road playing what do you do uh at home other than you know i guess write lyrics and do your reptiles well during football season sundays are off limits okay right on i i, I um, you know i respect that <laughs> <laughs> that's my church <laughs> um and other than that, you know, I waste too much time trying to be free snakes, although this year seems to be going better than last year. You know, time will tell, but I've had a number of copulations already, which is really cool. 
Good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's catch up with a little Slayer background for our listeners who aren't, you know, familiar. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're, I guess, haven't had your head stuck in the ground for the last 10 or 15 years, you've at least heard of Slayer, but uh, let's, uh, let's break it down. Where, where did the musical interest for, your, for you start? Um, I don't know. It, it certainly wasn't from my siblings, where they got two older sisters. Mm-hmm. And even though they would buy me 45s, that's how old they were. Um, <laughs> I got a few of those, too. You know, <laughs> you just play them, and, you know, you get your feet wet in music, because if you don't have anybody to look up to that has a musical taste you might be into, you're just at, at the mercy of whoever's feeding you music. And then I went to a, uh, I guess it was high school. Like, during recess, they would have music over the speakers, and they'd be playing Top 40, so that certainly wasn't an outlet. Actually, maybe that had more to do with forming what I became than anything because I hated it so much. <laughs> cool. Why, why the guitar? I have two older sisters. That makes me the only son and the youngest child. So I was pretty much could do no wrong. So my dad took it upon himself when I was like 13-ish to um, give me a couple options as uh, you know, something to get into to occupy my time. So I wasn't lured toward the... Uh, shadier people in life and I'm not sure if that worked because look at the people I hang out with now but anyway back then I remember he had a guitar laying around the house a guitar was an option karate or judo was an option there's a couple other things I remember I didn't want to get my ass kicked every day so I said that guitar looks pretty sweet right about now (laughs) (laughs) cool cool do you play anything else besides guitar um I could play bass to me bass is just a guitar with less strings different approach to doing it correctly but I could get by in any band playing bass. That would be easy. Okay. I could I could make noise on drums. I could probably play something at a slower tempo, but I certainly couldn't do our gig on drums. Not even close. But, you know, I could carry a beat for a while if I had to. Actually, that's how me and Jeff used to make up tunes, because Tom would be working, Dave would be working, and me and Jeff were always in the studio, me playing guitar, him playing drums, or vice versa. And that's how we came up with a lot of ideas back then. Okay, that was, was going to lead to my next question. I know you're the, the lyricist. When, you, so when you're writing a song, do you have a particular instrument that you work with to kind of bang out the melody and, or the, the flow of the lyrics or something like that? No, I just do that. You know, I get an idea in my head. You have nine times out of ten, probably 9.9 times out of ten, the music's done before there's ever a line or a title or anything like that. And I think that, I don't know how other bands do it, but that's how we've done it forever. It works for us, and I think it helps make the music interesting before there's ever words on it. So I think that sets us apart in a way on the bands, but um, as far as the vocals come, you know, I just listen to what's going on in the song, get the vibe, it's an aggressive vibe, which most of them are. You know, I try to make the title and the content of the lyrics fit the music it's being sung over. Okay, you know, because my, my music background is, a, you know, accordion lessons as a kid, and Guitar Hero. I just got Guitar Hero uh, World Tour a couple of months ago, so <laughs> as far as my, my music skills go, so I'm uh, definitely uh, fascinated by how someone can take an idea and then, you know, off of that idea, create a five-minute beautiful musical piece with lyrics and melody and all that stuff. It just blows me away. You guys are fantastic, so. It blows me away sometimes, so, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's part of being a fan as well, because to make up something still get goosebumps from it. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's when you that's when you know you got something pretty cool. Cause, I mean, you make up songs all the time, but when you apply this vocal line to an existing tune and the hair stands up on your arms, you're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
So we talked about your musical background. What about the Slayer background? When was that started? We got together in um, 81, played in Tom's Garage for years and years and years, which was cool because we had a place where we could set up, leave our gear all the time. and That worked out really good because you know, if we would have had to rent any kind of studio back then, we would have rehearsed a lot less, maybe never been good enough to get gigs and you know, record deal, what have you. But we had that and played in there until we got good enough to uh, get gigs where we weren't booed off the stage. <laughs> uh, 81, so at this point, how many albums has Slayer put out? You know, I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't really think about it. I, I'd probably sit here and count them. Um, there was five right off in the uh, 80s. And I don't, I guess... I guess we'll count live, I guess we'll count undisputed, so it'd be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, by my calculation. That's awesome. I'm sure somebody will correct me, but <laughs> <laughs> fans, they, they could just rip off the eighth line of the fourth song of your fifth album, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> that was another question I was going to ask. I know you, you're not the, the lead singer. But how do the lead singers remember all those lyrics on stage? I've seen a lot of people, well, Ozzy, for one, use teleprompters, because if you told Ozzy his name was fucking Sean, he'd probably think you were right. <laughs> um, you know, and I've seen Halford do it in the past few years, and I wish Tom would do it, not because he's getting old and senile, but because, you know, you do draw a blank. I mean, I draw a blank playing guitar sometimes, and I know I'm going to do it. Right. <clears throat> and usually... You know, that's, that's part of being a pro and being in the game. You're like, you find yourself daydreaming. You're not sure what that next riff is. So you do a pick slide, and by the time you get down there, you're right where you need to be. So it's kind of a professional way not to screw up. Right. But a singer don't have that, because his mind's racing a mile a minute, and I really think Tom should have a teleprompter just for reference. Because then whenever he's, like, lost, he can just look down and say, got it. So that's a hard sell to a hard-headed person. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in my football career, we started making up little cheat sheets that we put on our wrist. I'm sure yeah, yeah, I've seen them do it today. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's it's over the last ten years, the, the use of those have definitely expanded. I think I'll probably every quarterback in the league probably wears one of those now, and a couple defensive players. But uh, when I was with the Steelers, we were one of the first teams to do that. It was invaluable. You're out there, you're trying to win the game, and get hit in the head. It's nice to look at your wrist and be able to know what the next play is. I'm sure you've gone on tours a kajillion million times. If you had to guess, how many different hotels, beds, tour buses, planes have you been on? If you had to guess. I know the travel's obviously the worst part of it all, so you probably just try to block that out. But Well, know. the funny thing is, even though you've been to the same city, let's talk about North America, because we probably toured North America more than anywhere, where you start out staying in Seattle or Denver or Phoenix, isn't the same hotel you're at at this point in your career. So you got to multiply that by cities, too. Mm -hmm. Like, if you played one city, you probably stayed in ten hotels in each city. You know, there's just so many um, variables there. I mean, thousands. Thousands. Where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, and I didn't expect you to have a, an exact number, but just trying to get people who are listening to understand the amount of travel that goes into being a band that's been together for 18 years. And Worst thing we ever do is uh, summer festivals in Europe because those things are booked without your well-being in mind. So last time we were in Europe this summer doing a festival run, well, it was like five weeks, but this one 
travel itinerary will give you an idea of what my life's like in the summer in Europe. We play this one show. We were in somewhere between Oslo and Stockholm. We were on the Swedish side. Small town, when you have festivals, you play small towns in between big towns to get people drawn from you know the big cities. Mm-hmm. So we play one headline at 2 in the morning. We get off. Actually, we played like 1.30 in the morning. We're done at 2.30 in the morning. We got to play the next day in Belgium at 2 in the afternoon. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't easy. No, I can imagine it wasn't. And, you know, and that's people filling your dates, so you make the most money for the time you're there. But, I mean, that's like, an, we had to charter a flight just to get there. And then we went to a hotel, slept like two hours, got up and did another show. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That is amazing. It's ridiculous. But, yeah. You know, that's, and that's totally the worst scenario. But, you know, the European festival run is just a, it's a nightmare because you get booked in, you know, it's not same cities within a country. It's this country, then some other country, and... And it's just, they're all over the map. Everyone knows that the show must go on. So what is the worst, crappiest condition you've ever been in to uh, do a show? Well, hang over the side because, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't take that as an excuse. I mean, you do that to yourself. It would have to be when we were just completely up and coming. I couldn't even tell you if we had a record deal yet, but I'll remember this show forever because it was, it was me that was messed up. I had like the flu or something. She was probably even before I drank, though. Alcohol was not a factor. And we were playing the show in Orange County, and I just felt like ass. Um, and luckily, there was a curtain that hit us. You know, we had this intro tape. I'm all dressed up, ready to play. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to perform this gig. I don't know how I was standing, but, you know, I'm like, man, I'm queasy as hell. The right. intro tape's going on, and I just launched all over the back of the... <laughs> the, uh, the um, Kabuki, the curtain. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and once you hurl, you feel better. So you can maintain yourself for a while, and the adrenaline of being on stage kind of makes you feel better. So I got through the hour, hour, ten minutes, whatever, went off stage and laid in the car and puked in the parking lot for like another hour. But that was my hardest time, and it was true sickness. So I feel pretty proud that the show, the show went on that day. Yeah, it does make you feel pretty good, you know, because yeah, the show has to go on. you got to go out there and you got to do your gig, you know. <laughs> Tell us about your, your first reptile. When was this, and why did all this happen? Probably like our first tour. I remember being in Texas, hanging with a, a group of metal kids called the Doom Society. And um, we crashed at their place for a while, you know, in between shows. And I um, can't remember which one or if it was a collective pet, but they had a bow constrictor, and it was named Slayer. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Not that it was named Slayer, but I thought, wow, man, thanks really awesome. It was like the last week of our tour, so I went home, had some downtime, and I'm like, man, I'm going to get me a snake. So I got me a knife. You know, I didn't know it was nice back then, but I guess I've always had a decent eye. Uh, real nice Colombian boa, baby. And I named it Venom, because I was really into Venom. And uh, that was my first one, and that one became three, and three became ten, and ten became fifty, and, you know, same story everybody has. And what's cool about reptiles, I don't have anything really touch and go, like, lizards, chameleons, green tree pythons, emerald tree boas. I don't have anything that requires me to be here every day. So if I got little, like a stage run of six weeks, some point, probably two points in that tour, I can come home, take care of everything in a day, and go back out. Clean, feed, whatever. So it's a good pet for somebody with my lifestyle. 
Yeah, you know, I was trying to explain to people because people who meet me in another walk of life other than football or reptiles, well, what's up with the reptiles? They're a fantastic pet, and, you know, with today's busy lifestyles, if you want to go out of town for the weekend, it's, that snake is probably not going to miss you so much. So, <laughs> so uh, talk to me about some of the different reptile groups you've worked with. I know you've done uh, Pitchiophis. Oh, my first time in, I had a little bit of everything, but I didn't specialize in anything. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, I started specializing in red tails, and one of my guilty pleasures to this day is South Brazilian red tails. I got like 15 of those. Um, I picked up, since I talked to you, I picked up another Pearl Island boa to show this weekend, so I got an extra female, which is always cool to pick up. But now, you know, I reside in carpet python country. Okay, but it, with the with the couple groups you work with, the Pitchiophis, the red tails, and the carpets, that you specialize in, I should say. What, what was the fascination, and, and, and why did you choose to specialize in, in that particular group of animals? Well, in the early 90s, when I probably started going down the Pitcherophis Road, um, it's a nice, big snake. When you breed them, the babies always eat 99.99% of the time because Pitcherophis are just eating machines. They're great. Such a big variety. You know, they're, they're, they're really impressive snakes. Unfortunately, colubrid markets never stay. And even now, if I found a nice albino southern pine that had those really hot pinks and whites, I'd be hard-pressed not to buy it. That makes two but, of us. Um, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they are. Totally I, awesome. I just went to a show this weekend at uh, Super Show in Pomona, and this guy had um, a picture of us I never even seen before, so they must have gotten into hobbyist collections after I got out of them. But I picked up a pair because I was so impressed with them. They're a Mexican species uh, with lineata. I think they're called the Mexican lion bull snake or something. Really, they look like giant transpecos, kind of. Nice. Yeah, they're really cool. All right, what about the red tails? I mean, I, I look at a red tail bow, it's just a classic, iconic snake. You know, that's my draw and appeal to it. It's what you think of when you growing up thinking of snakes. Yeah, they got a really nice texture to how they feel. They're really smooth, you know. They're kind of exquisite feeling. Carpets, carpets to me are kind of like... They don't have that vibe. Carpet, they've got kind of more of a, actually, more of a Pitchophis feel. They're more rough as opposed to a boa, for sure. Mm-hmm. And what what size is your carpet collection now, and what kind of morphs do you have in there? I'm guessing, I'm counting in a while, 100, 120, not counting babies. I'm attempting to produce just about everything under the sun this year. I don't have diamonds, I don't have diamond crosses, and I don't have head albinos. And other than that, my zebras are probably too small to breed, but other than that, I could breed just about everything. I got 75% IJ jags, 88% IJ jags, 75% jungle jags, uh, coastal, what else am I trying? Granites, jag pet for granites, inland. So I've got quite a, quite a maelstrom of animals I could try to produce this year. Nice, very nice. Uh, so what uh, in the past has been your greatest breeding success? Am, am I under the understanding that your carpet collection is just, just kind of starting to get into the breeding age now? So have you had much breeding success in the past? Um, I, I started getting some. I had my first batch in 06. I had another batch in 07. And last year I had two batches when I should have had like 15 because I was home for the entire breeding season. So I don't know how I whipped so bad last year. But like I said, I've had probably 6 to 10 copulations this year. Um, and I've got more males this year, and I think that, well, more males of age. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off the males that I was trying to run too thin last year. So, you know, I got potential for a load of babies this year, and I think having the option of extra males is really making a difference. What was your first reptile breeding ever? Mm, 
I don't even know. That's, that's kind of funny. It's like, who's your first girlfriend? Right. <laughs> I don't even... I, I don't think I know. Well, okay. It definitely would have been something small time, like some sort of king snake or some sort of corn snake for sure. So I got in in 84, and by 88, I'd already bred South Brazilian Amarelli. So that's like, get your nose wet and do it good now. Right, well, well yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's better than my cow king and leopard gecko stories I was going to get into. So <laughs> he got me trumped there. I won't even get into those. So would you consider yourself a reptile Head a reptile geek, reptile nerd. Do you, do you check on King Snake every day? You know, do you do that kind of I'm stuff? King Snake a lot, and I pick up way too many things that I don't need. Things that make my colonies better. Things that I'll look at and say, I could breed this to that and produce something pretty badass. But you know, it, it's easy to pick up stuff when people are, especially like the past three months. That's the kind of time when people are blowing things out they thought they wanted and they don't because they're trying to buy other stuff. Mm -hmm. And you see it. And it's, a, it's perfect for what I'm doing, you're doing, whatever, you know, and that's the incentive to buy it because they're almost giving it away. As I traveled around from city to city playing football, you know, I took advantage of those opportunities to go visit, you know, various reptile businesses or zoos across the country. i got to believe you, you've done the same thing as well. Am I correct? Yeah, I've, I'm very lucky. So the first time I came through, not the first time I came through, the first time I was in the biz, I made some good connections at the, I think it was the 91 Florida show. I met Kevin McCurley there. I met Pete Call there. I met Ron St. Pierre there. You know, and I've kept those acquaintances over the years. So now that I'm back in, I still have the opportunity to hang with them, to go to their place. This last tour, oh, man, last time we did this is so long ago, like a year and a half ago, I went to Pete Call's place for the first time in probably six to ten years because we kind of went touch with each other because I got out of the biz for a while and I may not have been as diligent about calling the reptile people to come to the shows but last time I said hey Pete why don't you come out and we had a great time if anybody knows Pete you know Pete likes to have a good time yeah totally totally Pete's uh, I think he's uh, famous or maybe infamous is a different word a Pete's, like word. A, Pete's like the snake rock star <laughs> <laughs> totally with the you know I'm not sure if you've seen his latest haircut uh, it's a little, little Bon Jovi-ish, uh, early 90s, so... <laughs> it's been like that since, like, the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, now, obviously, you've traveled the world. Have you done any jungle, reptile kind of thing, any, you know, native habitat kind of stuff, or do you, do you ever do any road cruising in, in, in the know, States? I did it in the early days, but I'm kind of a busy guy with reptiles, uh, t-shirt business on the shelf that's ready to go again at any point uh the band so you know for me to go sit on a road for three hours i can think of a lot of things i should be doing with my time other than that i don't do that much anymore and as far as foreign places i would be down with going to a hot spot in australia that i know i'm going to see stuff mm -hmm. and you know there's tons of those last time i was in australia i got to go to australian reptile park and that was awesome got to see got the albino blue tongues and he's got those we call them hyper melanistic they're like black blue tongues. So I got to hold the black one in the albino, and that's cool to have a picture of that. I saw rough scale python. Oh, wow. The trails of that zoo. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy was saying, oh, mate, if you're here in the springtime, there'd be diamonds just cruising across these trails. I'm like, well, I know what I'm doing next spring. <laughs> well, your spring, anyway. <laughs> right, right. When you're out traveling, I think you said that your collection, you know, you try to design it so it's pretty low maintenance, but I'm sure somebody's got to uh, help you out when you're gone on the road. Who gets that, uh, the duty of taking care of your, your herbs when, when you're gone? Taking care of the duty? The duty. <laughs> Yes, well, that's, yeah, definitely the best way to put it. My wife will uh, uh, show up first, but there's times when she's on tour also. So I got this guy that's the son of a guy that I was really tight with the first time I was in the biz. 
and I was always cool with him, gave him the time of day, never act like a rock star with him. And he appreciated that and shows now because he's always the first one to say, hey, you need anything, come out there and do it. Read it, get eggs, put them in the incubators, whatever you need. So I got a great dude. People think of heavy metal or maybe they think of Alice Cooper, and he's definitely famous for having some of his snakes on stage. you ever incorporated any animals in, into your act or anything like that? No, I think not, I got nothing against what Alice Cooper did or what he does, but I think that's, to me, it's too stressful on an animal. I agree. I'm, I'm happy to see it the same way. Yeah, it's a cool part of the show, but, I mean, how could you keep an animal correctly on a tour bus? Does the power not always on on them things? So there's so many variables to me to where I've got reptiles with a ton of money. And even though I know he's showing pretty much a Colombian boa or a Burmese python, somebody that would be somebody's miracle pet if they can afford it. So I don't know. It's not for me, but I understand why Alice did it, and I hope uh, those snakes didn't have too bad a life. The last part of the interview, something hopefully I will continue from, from this point on in all future shows. I'm not sure if you're familiar with James Lipton from the Actors Studio. Maybe you've probably seen the parodies of him on Saturday Night Live, but maybe I don't know if you caught the show or not. He has a list of ten questions, the same ten, ten questions that he asked to everybody who appears on his show. So. Cool. I'm only going to do four questions, and oh. they, won't, they won't be uh, actor-related. They'll be uh, reptile-related, obviously. Um, one little wild-card question in there. So to start off with the first question is, what is the most beautiful reptile? That's like, I mean, everybody knows that's got to be one of the hardest questions. Isn't it? That's like somebody asking me, what's your favorite Slayer song? <laughs> and saying, what's your favorite song other than that? <laughs> um, I'll go, yeah, let me go, to, I'm going to have to split that up, because even though I don't have any hot stuff, I do like hot things, and I think um, the Gabinos, the cross between the rhino and the Gaboon virus, oh, I think those are just stunning. Those are those are almost alien, they're so beautiful. You yeah, know? It, 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 it's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, i gotta, I got to split into three, man, I just thought of something else. Mm -hmm. um, another one to me, it would be a cross between... Uh, albino retic or a piebald ball python. That's something I've always loved is piebald ball pythons, even though I've never really had ball pythons. If I ever had any, I would definitely have those because I wish that morph was in carpets, you know, just random white splashes all over the place. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. And my third, and I just thought of it because, of, it's, you know, to me, lizards are overlooked a lot, has to be the Fiji Island, Fiji Island Iguana. Oh, good. Those are three awesome strong choices um yeah that's right i, I know my stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you credit for that all right uh question number two what is the scariest reptile to you oh man that could easily also be a retic <laughs> 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 only because they get so big um you know and it's, it's really hard not to admire how majestic and regal these things look they're just it's they're just awesome animals but me being a guitar player the wrong bite could change my life. That is correct. That is correct. Um, all right, question number three. If you can only keep one reptile, not one species, not one type, just one single reptile, what would it be? Assuming I had time for it? Assuming, yes. You've you got all the time, money, resources to have one Probably, reptile. Uh, Amazon Basin Emerald. There you go. That's Gosh, you know, I'm I'm impressed. These are all fantastic animals. I really, really like those, and I told myself I would never get them until I'm retired from music, just so I have time to contribute to that. I think that's probably a wise choice. <laughs> They're definitely uh, 
not uh, animals you can go away for a couple of weeks and expect them to be doing just fine. Well, the extra cool thing about those is they're more docile than your average emerald, so you can actually hold it and not, you know, lose an arm. Yeah, we we definitely have we've had a few of those here, um, and they were pretty docile. At the same time, they still had those super long emerald teeth, and so oh yeah, I, I was never able to get fully comfortable just handling those, or, or you know, handing handing them off to somebody and having them hold it because you know half inch teeth. Uh, I'm pretty sure they hurt pretty bad. I was lucky enough not to get bit, but all right. And the last question for you is. What are you good at that most people don't know? Anything? I would say drinking, but most people do know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You should be a pretty kick-ass softball player. Because that's one sport I indulge myself with. I didn't really feel like it would mess myself up right. for music or touring or anything. So When I lived in Arizona for a while, I sponsored a team. We played for a while. Men's and co-eds. And, you know, we were pretty rocking, but I cherry-picked all my stickers. Too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get to do as a coach. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay, and I think we're finished up here. So on that note, uh, kingsnake.com, Rep Radio. would like to thank Gary King for his time, sharing with us his musical and reptile stories. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to kingsnake.com, Rep Radio. Keep listening as we begin to talk to more celebrities, breeders, and the movers and shakers of the reptile world. This is Chad Brown signing out. Thank you. Thanks for listening to kingsnake.com, Web Radio, and thanks for thinking of pro exotics reptiles.